My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Attraction with Domini Drew. My name is Domini Drew, and you're not going to believe this, I'm your host for today's show. Doesn't that just make beautiful sense? Thank you so much for joining me. I have a really great show for you. I've actually been really looking forward to doing this episode for a while now. I actually planned for it, which is amazing if you are a regular listener to this particular format of entertainment and learning and growth and awakening. That is certainly what I intend and want it to be. I have this great show for you. My name is Dominique Drew. I am a relationship and self-mastery coach. I focus on the deep levels where we manifest shit that we don't want in our life. And I study why it is that we do that. Why do we bring those things into our lives? Why do you keep attracting the same woman over and over again? Why do you keep attracting the same relationship over and over again? And it really comes down to these subtle levels we're believing stuff we don't realize we believe, or we're putting out into the universe things we don't even realize we're putting out. And that has impact. If that sounds crazy and that really doesn't have impact, you're just not used to seeing it. Okay. I know that it has impact partially because I've done this work for almost 20 years, but partially because you can always learn to see it. It just requires being a little bit more sensitive, right? You need to look a little bit deeper. You need to be a little bit more real with yourself. And when you're able to do those things, the world begins to shift, not just a little bit, not just in a, oh yeah, I think if I work really hard, I guess I can maybe see a little difference. I mean, like shit starts to change. I'd have to suppose I'd love to think bad about every client I've ever worked with, but there are probably the ones that haven't experienced a massive change. I could probably count on maybe one or two hands over the entire years, you know, all the years that I've run this business. And so what I really want to talk about today, and I'm really excited to bring this episode, is I really want to directly address guys who come to me or women who come to me who don't think they can be helped. This can happen for a lot of reasons. They're either just afraid that it's not going to work for them, even if it's worked for everybody else. There's still that fear, partially because they've tried a lot of shit before. They have done this shit before, right? And they're afraid of another disappointment. And what's interesting about this, and we'll dive into this a little bit later, is that if you approach a situation expecting to be disappointed, then disappointment tends to be what you get, partially because you're drawing that in, you're resonating with it a little bit, you're prepared for it, and partially because you're fucking looking for it. So everybody will experience some amount of disappointment. But if you're looking for that disappointment, ooh, then it stings, then it sticks. Then you're really, oh, see, I was right. 
right? It becomes this whole thing because your mind's already geared that way. So really on any level you look at it, and this is what's fascinating, this is incredible cohesion of the human system, which I have studied for a very long time and am now able to experience regularly and powerfully. There is an incredible cohesion such that if you are getting something like like what we were just talking about repeatedly in your life, you're expecting disappointment, then no matter what level you look at it on in your human system, you can find how you're creating it. So we could look like a coaching level, you know, it's just like a mental level, like, okay, you know, I'm like your coach where we're just really going to talk about like, oh, okay, like what are your limiting beliefs? And just sort of on that sort of more surface level. And sure enough, it will show up in your language, right? That's a surface level that you can look at quite quickly. It will show up in your phraseology, in the words that you choose, in the tonality of your voice, in your body language. You could look at it on a physical level, body language. You could look at it on a deeper psychological level, like, oh, well, I got really disappointed when I was young, or I had a trauma. To look at it on a trauma level. Yep, I had that trauma and I'm defending myself against that trauma ever happening again. You could take it deeper into the energetic. There is something literally you are holding, a literal resonance. Usually this is unconscious for people, but it's a skill. You learn it. It's not, it is kind of magic actually. I don't like to say it's not magic because it really is. But magic doesn't mean it's not real, right? A cell phone looks like magic to somebody 100 years ago or fucking 50, <laughs> right? Maybe 20. So it is literal magic. And so it's magic in the sense that there is mystery to it, that there is perhaps some unknowableness to it, that there is a level of it that is beyond your current level of consciousness. But if you're a seeker, if you desire to grow, that's everything. That's where you're trying to go. So you can look at it on an energetic level and you will find how you are attracting that disappointment on an energetic level. And you can go even deeper than that. And so the way I see it is like a straightening out of your perception. You know, the way you're perceiving things right now, it's off a little bit. You have blind spots or your rods and cones are a little bit messed up. So you're a little colorblind or something like that, where you're perceiving a version of reality. But instead of just seeing the reality that is there, you are instead seeing a kind of screen that you put over it. And when you do that, everything you see is skewed. It's like putting on blue glasses. You're seeing the world, but not as it is. And so what that does is it leads you to believe that the world is a certain way. And that way is related to how the world is, but it is not accurate. And so one of the ways I'm able to help people get really remarkable results in a very short period of time is that, first of all, I meet them where they are right? I don't try to get you to do my thing, right? I'm showing you yourself. One of the ways I phrase it is you have incarnated into one of the most technologically advanced vehicles ever created in this dimension anyway, the human body, but you have no owner's manual. And there's all this input and there's all this trauma and there's all these experiences and you don't really know how to navigate them exactly. Does that make sense? And so it's not that you're doing anything wrong. You're just not educated on how to use your human system. And this is essential because in order to get where you want to go in your car, you need to know the basic operations of your car. If you're driving your car and you're using your rearview mirror 
as the steering wheel, then you're going to be very confused when you hit things. You're going to be very discombobulated by not being able to function, by not seeing the connection between what you're doing and what you're getting. I help you make that connection. That's close to all I do because that's all you need. If you knew how to solve your problem, you would have done so by now. So if I show you how to solve your problem, you're probably going to do it, right? If you're not, we're not looking at the right problem. If I'm like, oh, well, look how when you do X, it gets you Y. And you go, huh, I wonder why I do X. And we go, yeah, we go deeply into the system and we look at why maybe compulsively you're trying to do X, even though it's leading to something that doesn't work for you, yada, yada. And we find out why. And then you begin to see it everywhere. You begin to see those patterns. Oh, you know, I don't just do this in my dating life. Turns out I do this at work. If you have maybe low self-confidence, yeah, that's going to keep you from approaching men or women. Yeah, that's going to keep you single. But it's also going to keep you from asking for that raise. It's also going to keep you from standing up to your mother. It's also going to keep you from getting into a relationship with a woman who respects you. You see, what you do in your human system, what you do in your life, you do everywhere because it's you doing it. That's why I don't teach tips and tricks. It's not going to fix your problem. That's why I specialize in the inner work rather than teaching you what to do to attract the right woman for you. How are you even going to recognize the right woman for you? I can show you how. There is a way to know before you invest in a woman whether or not she's a good fit for you. Doesn't that sound like magic? It's actually incredibly measurable and repeatable. No one is beyond hope unless you decide you are. If you decide you are, that's different. That I can't do anything about. Because essentially, you are choosing not to fix the problem. That I can't help you with. I had someone just reach out to me on social media and say, it was a little bit of a jackass statement or something like, motivate me to whatever his problem was. Fix my problem then if you're so good. That's what he said. And I was like, interesting that you should say that. <laughs> because that's the one thing I can't do. I can't motivate you. Think about it. If I were to motivate you, big air quotes here, what does that even mean? I may be able to inspire you, but the statement motivate me indicates A, that you need motivation, B, that I'm capable of such a thing, C, that you're unable to do it on your own. It makes no sense. There's an agenda for me to motivate you, quote unquote. I would need to tell you what you want. And that's impossible for me to do. How could I possibly know? Oh, but Domini, isn't it obvious? Everybody wants to be happy. Do they? Now, ultimately, of course, everybody wants to be happy. But not everybody's willing to do what it takes to be happy. Not everybody is willing to, to actually face themselves, to face the fear, to feel their feelings, to relive the trauma, to open up their heart again when they've been hurt, anything. Not everybody's willing to do that. And so how much do you want happiness? Even if you are able to point out directly the link between feeling those feelings or open up your heart again and feeling happiness, even if you're able to draw that link distinctly, I've had people look straight at it and say, no, not willing to do it. 
How about that? And this is actually really not that uncommon at all. I offer a free call to see if working with me is a good fit. If you are interested in learning more about working with me, you can find that in the description of this episode. And on those free calls, I will have people say, I'm struggling with insecurity, low self-esteem. It's keeping me single. It's miserable. It's restricting my income, all the things. And I go, great. And once we're done talking, I may ask something along the lines of, when are you looking to fix this? And you would think that would be a question that's fairly obvious. And most people say, I want to do this right fucking now. But some people will, and not like one or two, like a lot, large number of people, will in fact go into this sort of description of how it's a lifelong journey and they're never actually going to get there. But they'd like to start on the journey, which is perfectly fine. If you would like to start on a journey with me and never finish, that is absolutely your prerogative. If you'd like to fix the damn thing, that's also an option. But some people really don't. They don't believe it can be fixed. Here we are back to a little bit of hopelessness. Even though the people that I'm, I'm thinking of, a couple of people that have said this recently, they weren't in a state of desperation. They weren't really that hopeless. They were just like, well, I just, I don't think I can fix it. Okay, that's your reality right now. And one of them I even asked, I was like, if you can fix it incompletely, do you want to? And he was like, no, no, I want to just keep growing. Okay, I will help you halfway fix your problem if that is what you want. With no problem, no judgment. But what I really want to go into today is I want to talk to you about what's possible for you. In the Power of the Mind episode, we talk a lot about the human potential, right? What humans are actually capable of is really pretty extraordinary. I've used the example in episodes past of something like an athlete, right? Where let's say you're a runner, right? I believe it's the four minute mile that like no one could get below, right? There's some speed record that nobody could set. And then one person did it and then everybody started doing it. And I remember when I was young watching this in figure skating and I can't remember if it was like a quadruple jump or it was a backflip or it was something like that, something like super cool. And one person did it and then everybody started doing it. And I remember a couple of years later listening to a sportscaster, right, who was commentating on the competition. And he said something like, you know, it's funny because a few years nobody had ever done this. And now if you don't do one in the finals, you're kind of not really considered. Like it's now like the industry standard in a way. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So what you are capable of, sweet love, is so very much more than you know. The only thing that keeps you from all of that is your mind, is a little voice in your head, which literally does not exist. It is nowhere in the physical world. It can be turned off like a light switch. Or it can be pandered to for the rest of your life. It's not like you're trying to get up a mountain and boulders keep falling down at you. It's not like you're trying to move through a wall and the wall is just super solid. These are things that aren't real. You can't point to them. They have no substance other than that which you give them. And that holds a lot of power. So I wanted to take some time today and share with you what's possible for you. Because it's not often thought of that way. You sort of think, all right, well, I'm going to hire a coach and I guess it might work or it might not work. It's not about whether it works or it doesn't work. 
I show you the way. You make it work or you give up. But that choice is very much yours. And my agenda is to put you in the driver's seat of it. Does that make sense? And so I want to share with you some things that might be possible. I had a client, his name is Aaron. He's actually been on the show with me before. And all of this, he gives me permission to share. And Aaron was incredibly shy. Nothing wrong with shyness, by the way. Not everybody is outspoken and naturally outward or extroverted, right? But this was too much, right? So he's incredibly shy. He had a lot of anxiety. He had very low self-confidence. And he had what I have referred to as kind of the nice guy pattern, where he's incredibly, incredibly sweet, loving, kind, gentle. Nothing wrong with any of those things. but. The way the human system operates is that when we feel threatened or uncomfortable, we will tend to distort what we naturally do. We distort our strengths and we use them as defenses, in other words. And so what he would do, that's what shifts it from, oh, I'm just a shy person to I'm so shy, I'm petrified of even approaching a person. That's not shyness, right? Shyness is, There's three people here. Raise your hand if you'd like to get up on stage. And the shy person won't really want to get up on stage. That's all. It doesn't mean that they're incompetent. It doesn't mean that they're unable to do the things they need to do, right? They're just quiet. Not everybody needs to be talking all the time. In fact, really, there's a lot of benefit to not doing that, right? And an example of this is that at one point in one of our calls, he mentioned that he had, he was on online dating and he was going out with this woman and He went out and he waited for her and he's like, yeah, and I was there and I was waiting for her. And then about an hour and a half later, I was getting ready to go and she called me and I was like, I'm just going to stop your story right there. An hour and a half, you waited for this woman who you've never met before for an hour and a half. And then she called and she had something like, I can't remember if she ended up coming or not. That was the part that stuck in my mind because that's not nice. The nice guys tend to be like, oh, I'm so nice. Why doesn't everybody love me? Which, by the way, is also not very nice. It's actually quite self-important and some arrogance or some, not so much arrogance, actually, it will come out more as entitlement, right? I'm deserving of nice things because I'm nice. Girls don't want nice guys. Sure, it's probably us. So he is a kind, gentle, really quite a catch, to be honest, young man. However, in that moment, he wasn't being nice by waiting for an hour and a half. He was being a doormat by waiting an hour and a half. And a doormat is a distortion of niceness. His core quality is niceness, gentleness, kindness. The distortion is, I'll just go ahead and let you treat me however you want. Now, we're not respecting ourselves. And so it slides into, you can just do whatever. No, you can't. I'm shy. That doesn't mean I'm going to let you treat me however you want to treat me, does it? And so in that way, his core quality was not being seen. She didn't see him as a kind, sweet, gentle young man. She saw him as a doormat. And as a result, she didn't respect him. And as a result, she wasn't attracted. So at some point, we did a a whole lot of work. He began to come out of his shell. His relationship with his parents completely turned around. His relationship with his work changed. He talks a lot about it in the episode when I had him on. And he really began to come out of his shell a little bit, move through the fear. And at some point, he began, he actually suggested this. I think I've spoken about this before as well. 
an exercise where he was just going to go up and approach a woman every day. He's like, I'm going to approach a woman that I'd be interested in dating one time per day just for a conversation, not ask for her number, nothing. And then he started doing it more and more. And pretty soon, he lost all of his fear of rejection. All of his approach anxiety had melted because he worked through it. He realized that as he approached women, nothing terrible happened. They actually really enjoyed it. They smiled. They connected with him. He said, hello. And so the fear eventually drained away. And so he was somebody who came to me with massively low self-confidence. And then a period of time later, he's off on his own, running up to women and chit-chatting and being friendly and delightful. Massive transformation. And he was someone who in the very beginning was really nervous about getting started. He was nervous about the investment. He was nervous about really diving into the work. He was nervous about what he was going to find. And that's very, very common. And that's okay. Nervousness is allowed. Letting nervousness stop you is where you get into trouble. And this isn't just for shyness, right? This isn't just for shyness. This is applicable to all sorts of issues, whatever it is that you're struggling with, right? Another client, Joshua. Man, this kid came to me, he described himself as a machine. He had like no feelings left other than just rage and sheer isolation. All vulnerability was just shut down. He's a military dude, he's super built, super defensive, and he really shut off all of his emotions. He had just completely cut himself off. He'd really just completely cut himself off because he'd been through so much trauma and so much mistreatment that the only way he could cope, and this is what defense mechanisms do, they help us cope. So also don't be upset with your defense systems. They serve a purpose. They're important. Let them be important. The only problem comes when they're on autopilot. And that is a problem, right? When you don't know you're being defensive, that's the problem. So the really sheer and incredibly profound isolation that Joshua was experiencing, had been experiencing for more than a decade. I think he'd had maybe, maybe two relationships. They had not gone well. I mean, very strong trauma. And he just had these huge walls up. And when he came to me, he saw something in me that made him think that I could help, that made him feel safe with me. And he opened just a crack. And that was enough. Because once he was able to open a crack and have a different experience with me, then he was able to see the perspective that he had developed as a perspective instead of just sheer reality. And so I remember he had a realization around why he kept attracting these incredibly manipulative and vindictive women. I mean, just really horrible creatures. I'm sure they all have their own story as well, but let's just say he was deeply mistreated. And at some point, one of the breakthroughs that he had with me was that he realized that through the trauma he'd experienced when he was very young, he was able to realize that he put up such profound defenses. He just hated everybody because he'd been treated like shit. Reasonable response, right? He'd been treated so badly. He shut everything down. And what ended up happening is because he had those walls up that were so incredibly thick, because he had that armor up that just fuck off in every direction, the only women who could reach him were really strong, really determined, 
rather manipulative Valkyries. And so that was what touched him. They were the only ones that got in because everybody else was pushed away by his powerful defenses. And that was incredibly revealing, right? Oh, of course I'm only attracting these women. These are the only ones that can get in to the way I currently live my life. Does that make sense? And so through those realizations and some pretty profound shifts, he opened up more powerfully, more widely than he ever could have imagined. He went from being a machine to, I started calling him Care Bear, which I really shouldn't do because he genuinely hates it when I call him that. (laughs) But it really was that much of a transformation. Enough that his father, who I had never met and haven't met since, reached out to me on Facebook and said, the change in my son is extraordinary. I've never seen him happy like this. Thank you so much for the work that you do. It was incredibly honoring. And it wasn't really the work that I do. It was what he was prepared to do. He walked the walk. I just showed him how. And so the massive, massive transformation that man went through is truly inspiring. It was a change he never thought that he would have been able to make. It's a change that I imagine he'd almost given up on. He did not think. He hired me and decided to work with me, so I can't really say that he thought he was beyond help, but it was definitely on that line. He had tried everything. I think I've got a testimonial video of him talking about how many books he'd read and how many coaches and therapists and priests and people that he'd gone to, counselors, everybody. And there was no shift at all. And yet he kept going. And that, that is essential. He tried again. He tried again with me and it worked. And that's a huge deal. Another client, Mark, who had a really, really profound negative relationship pattern, he'd been rejected. He was rejected by women all the time. We ended up doing the math and it ended up being around 50 years that he'd been experiencing this. Just rejection after rejection. And he came to me because he was interested in a woman that he was incredibly into and he didn't want to lose her. And she was not that interested in him. He was not really on her radar in a romantic way. But he was like, this is the situation. Can you help me? I said, absolutely. And so we went down and this is the first session that I worked with him. We went down and found that this 50 year pattern that started with his mother, his mother would just, she would reject him when he was very, very young. And so that lodged in his system, very young, ended up lodging his subconscious. He goes, okay, women are going to reject me. And he then repeated that pattern for the rest of his life. And he lost many loves. He lost many women who really, really meant a lot to him. And in that session, and again, this was the first time we had spoken, we discovered all of this. He had no idea. He had no idea why women rejected him. In the first session, we realized what age it started, what the cause was. The whole pattern just fell into place. And as he realized this, right, we found the place that was wounded, that kept acting out in his adult relationships, this young place that was still essentially a child, kept acting out in the sense of he was interacting with women, trying to get his mother's love. So that young place was coming out. And that's not attractive to an adult woman, right? It's not conscious either. And so all of this fell into place in one session. And this is not uncommon at all. And Three days later, he emailed me and the woman that he was interested in had started to pursue him. So I use that example. Allow me to just clarify my intention here. 
I don't mean this to be a commercial for myself. It's going to end up being a commercial for myself because these people have experienced such extraordinary shifts. But that's not really my intention. What I want to show you here is that it is possible to take a situation that appears to have no solution, that appears to have no way out, and completely turn it on its head. You just don't get there the way you might think that you're going to get there. Now, another client, actually, maybe just a few months later, I think he came to me, and he had a very similar thing. He also had had his pattern for 50 years, and it was also being rejected by women. And this man, interestingly, and and I think of these two together, partially because of the 50-year-long pattern, but also because that pattern of rejection was started by the mother. But with David, with the second client, she had died when he was six and he was 56 years old. And so from that moment when she had died, right, he wasn't abused. He didn't learn a negative behavior. It just lodges in the subconscious in a way that's not necessarily that logical to your adult mind. It lodged there and he had this pattern of being rejected. He was recreating the rejection from his mother, the perceived rejection from his mother passing away. And so in her passing, he felt rejected, unwanted, loved, abandoned. He was. That makes sense from his perspective. Remember, not to bring in the adult mind here. Look at it from the perspective of a child. Your mother is supposed to stay and be there with you all the time and she's supposed to be perfect. That's the perspective of the child. The moment she's not, or if she's repeatedly not, or if something happens like she dies, that's not your plan, right? And so a lot of things can just really lodge in the subconscious from that. And so again, the underlying reason for what's happening might not be something you understand right now. That's okay. You just need to know where to look. Anybody can do this. These people had had their patterns for 50 years and they turned them around. That's massive. And it's really also not just with relationships. It's not just with, oh, women keep doing this or I seem to keep attracting that. I work with relationships because they're completely authentic, right? So whatever that is that you're experiencing, not just in your dating life, but in any area of your life, it's completely authentic. You can't pretend that you are not attracted to somebody if you're super attracted to them, right? I mean, you can like try not to act that way, but you're really attracted to them, right? It's a visceral thing. It's an automatic thing. It's timeless. It's just like instantaneous, right? And the same thing the other way around. You can't pretend that you are interested in somebody that you're not. It's just a completely authentic thing. And so I I work in that area because it just makes it a really black and white type of thing to see, right? But it doesn't actually matter. I had a client who came to me because it was around approach anxiety, but also around his business. His business was just not really doing what he wanted it to do. And it turned out he had this inner voice that always told him, I can't. He didn't even really have any confidence problems. He just had this fucking voice that told him that he couldn't do things that he really wanted to do. And so when he would try to approach a woman, it said, you can't do it. And it, it threw him off his game and he got, you know, he lost his footing and it would ruin the approach and it kept him single. And so it would really trip him up on the approach and also holding back his business. So once we found that, I can't. Great, now we know what the problem is. Now we can solve it. You can't solve a problem that you can't define. 
Now, sometimes through this work, problems will be solved on their own. They don't even really come into your consciousness through the solving process. So it's not that it can't happen, but you can't do it, right? Your personal, your conscious mind, mm -mm. that's on a deeper level. That's getting down with grace, basically. And so as he made that shift, as he let go of that, I can't, I gave him some exercises and we worked through it and he worked with me for a while. And then he started this whole new business and he's an entrepreneur now and he's making all this money. And he was able to approach these women, right? He just would walk up and he'd be like, I don't know why this was so hard before. Yes, it wasn't. And it was because you decided that it was without even meaning to. You're driving your human vehicle with your hands in the rearview mirror. It's not going to go well. I had another young man in Australia who hired me because he wanted to be a musician. He wanted to be a rock star and he had stage fright. He's like, I need to get over this. Cool, let's work with that. He wasn't getting gigs because he wasn't quite resonating with people up on stage. He's incredibly talented. I can't teach him how to play a musical instrument. But honestly, you're getting hired. doesn't have anything to do with how well you play the instrument, surprisingly. It has to do with how much you radiate. If there's just something about that person and you're relatively good, you'll get hired, right? There's just something about that one. Yes, yes, there is. Because he got out of his own way. And so, especially if there were like attractive women in the audience, he wasn't able to actually perform well the way that he wanted to. And so he worked with me and over a couple of months, he started making these shifts. And he got to the point, I remember he would talk to me about being on stage and he'd be like, I could really shine today. I was in it, you know, I was in that flow, that effortless flow. You know, music would be an excellent place to actually do this work. I could change my niche right now and help people to increase their success with music. Because when you're in music, same as when you're in conversation, when it's good, you're in a flow, right? If you're in your head, you know, of course, when you're, if you're doing the scales, you're like practicing the skills. But once you just play, there's a space you get into that is effortless. You are in flow with life. That, my dear friends, is your natural state. That is what your life can be like every moment of every day of your life, if you want. And so a little while later, I remember him telling me there were the, all these beautiful women in the audience and he was able to make eye contact with them and sing and radiate and they were loving it. And just after that, his business took off. Suddenly he's getting hired for all these gigs, one after another. And so <laughs> he didn't get to be a better musician in that time. The technicalities weren't any better. He was already a brilliant musician. He just wasn't being seen because he was afraid of being seen or something around that. When he was able to stand up on there feeling powerful and attractive, whew, who's that one? That catches the attention. But fear, fear gets in the way. And what do we call fear these days? And this is starting to be really something that I notice in a lot of areas. We call it anxiety. And if anxiety is something that you experience, I have a suggestion for you. I'd like to suggest that you stop calling it anxiety. The reason for that is that we've made anxiety socially acceptable. If someone says, oh, I have anxiety, they'd be like, oh, yeah, my brother has that. Or yeah, God, me too. Or who doesn't, you know? That's a problem, ladies and gentlemen. What is anxiety really? It's not a condition that you have. Yes, it is treated as a condition. Yes, there's medication that can help. Yes, if you can't function, that can be helpful. That is not the end goal. You don't just have anxiety. 
You aren't just an anxious person. That's not a thing. Anxiety is fear. I'd like to suggest if anxiety is something that you struggle with, that you call it fear. Oh, why do you struggle with approaching women? I get afraid. Oh, cool. Now, think about that. Why do you struggle to approach women? Oh, I get anxious. Oh, yeah, I can totally, yeah, I get it. It's taken as a given. It's accepted, just as it is. Oh, you're anxious. Yeah, that makes sense. Why? She's a woman, not a dragon. And I get that those two lines get mixed sometimes. I get it. I'm a lady. We can be terrifying. But we're not in that moment. You haven't even met us yet. That's on you. I'm not scary yet. I'm just standing here. Okay? But if you tell someone, if someone goes, Ann, why do you struggle to attract women? And you go, oh, I'm afraid to. What do you think the first question is they're going to ask? I had a wonderful friend. Her name is Caitlin. And she had crippling anxiety. It was so bad. She would smoke weed incessantly. Incessantly. I don't mean like she smoked some weed. I mean, (laughs) she couldn't not be high. Okay, it was compulsive, right? She really needed it. And she'd suffered with this for most of her life. She's probably 25, 26 when I met her. And pretty much her, her entire life she'd had. And at some point, we were in conversation about something. She had a panic attack and she curled up on the floor and rocked herself. Like that's how bad the anxiety was. She used to tell me that she would not be able to go into department stores. So she would sit out in her car and smoke weed and smoke and smoke and smoke until she felt comfortable enough to walk into the department store. So this was like pretty severe. And she also had these voices in her head that made her feel really crazy, right? All these different voices. You should call them the ladies. And the ladies all had lots of different things to say and different personalities. And it was crazy making. Now, once this happened with the, the panic attack on the floor, we sat down and we talked about this. Because <laughs> if you're going to be friends with me, like we're, we're going to work through some shit. And she goes, oh, you know, I've just, that's just what I do. That's my process. You know, I just, I have anxiety. And I go, oh, that's interesting. I just decided to ask her. I asked, so what are you afraid of? And she looked at me completely shocked and took some time to answer. And she said, I've been in therapy for 13 years and no one has ever asked me that. And so we found out what she was afraid of and we addressed it directly. And within a few weeks, the panic attacks had stopped. And then the overall anxiety decreased. And then eventually at some point, she stopped smoking weed. She actually gave it up. It wasn't even a suggestion of mine. She was just like, yeah, I don't really need it anymore. And you know, she'll smoke when she wants to, but it's not something that she needs to do anymore. And now she's able to sit calmly in herself. She's able to connect to herself. She's able to move through life without crippling anxiety attacks. And she worked at a place where there was another woman who was incredibly anxious and she was able to be really supportive. She was able to support and help this other woman who really had the issue that she had previously. She's more grounded. She's more organized. She knows herself and the ladies are gone. There's no more voices in her head. Now, to be perfectly transparent with you, I don't really crow too much about being able to help people through anxiety. I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor in that area. I'm nowhere near a doctor in that area. But I also don't think I have to be. Because if you're a doctor in that area, all you do is learn to treat what's there. You're treating the symptoms, not the underlying cause. What is making you feel anxious? What are you afraid of? So if you're petrified to approach women, 
and you go, oh, I just, I'm anxious. Drop the word anxious and anxiety out of your vocabulary. Just try it. Try it for a few days. Don't use the word. Every time you're going to say anxious, say afraid. Every time you're going to say anxiety, say fear. And then you can look at it and be like, what are you afraid of an approaching woman? Oh, what am I afraid of? Oh, she's going to reject me. Okay, cool. Why are you afraid of that happening? What is scary about that? Oh, okay, well, let's, let's, let's look at that. Don't just assume that's how you are. None of this is how you are. You are a divine being of light and love and confidence and radiance and magnetism. You are not an anxious person unless you keep fucking saying that about yourself. Stop it. You are labeling yourself. You are determining your own life experience in a direction that you don't even want it to go. You can see the craziness here, right? And so this is really incredibly powerful, really incredibly important to acknowledge that which is there, to look at it as something that can be healed, not just the way that you are. If you assume it's how you are, then you're a victim of it. But if you assume it's something that you're doing, then it's something that can be fixed. It's just a behavior. Something about the situation makes me afraid. Cool. What is it? Right? And yes, it's easier with me. That's why the results are so significant in such a short period of time because I can sit here and hold the space. And I also, I've done this for a long time. I have a proven process and we can move through it quite quickly, not in the sense that you're rushed, but in the sense that it's direct, right? You know where you want to go. You just need the path to get there. That's where I specialize, right? I provide you that proven process to get you there. So I really want you to just take this in. Just consider the possibility that maybe everything that you are struggling with, not only in your dating life, but in every aspect of your life is in fact something that is fixable. Something which is perhaps within your power to fix. And if you want help and a more direct route, please don't hesitate to reach out. I would love to help. Thank you guys so much. This has been an awesome episode. I'm so, so excited. Right now, I am going to, if you've listened to a bunch of my podcast episodes, you've probably seen me interview Marnie the Wing Girl, and you've probably seen me on her Ask Women podcast. I'm on there periodically. She's someone who ended up being a client of mine after we did an interview together. She hired me, got incredible results. She's had me on her show and she's talked about them. I highly recommend you look that up. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I was going to be a co-host with her on the Ask Women podcast tonight. And instead, I'm actually going to be hosting it myself. So please join me over at the Ask Women podcast. She is Marnie the Wing Girl, the Wing Girl Method. She is great. She has a very different approach to fixing your dating problems than I do. Both together are spectacular. It's really the best thing would be because she's a lot more about how to flirt and how to interpret the females, signals and things like that that I don't even touch. I do the deep inner work. She does the practical shit. And so together, we really (laughs) cover all the bases. So please come and check out the upcoming episode of the Ask Women podcast with Marnie, the wing girl. She is a badass and a good friend at this point. So if you enjoy the show, please rate and review it. I would really love it. It's really helpful for people to know what your thoughts are on it. There's a lot of podcasts out there A lot of them are amazing. Most of them are terrible. And I would love for people to know where I stand on that realm, at least according to you. So if you love it, please do rate me five stars and review. Go ahead and subscribe 
so that you know when I am live and when a new episode is coming out. And join me soon. I've had a couple of great interviews the last few episodes. I've got some more coming up in the works. And if you're interested in really diving in and solving these issues, please don't hesitate to reach out. The link is in the description below. Thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Domini Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.